Hello, everybody. This is All the YAs, a podcast about young adult fiction for adults both young and older. And today we are back after our break to go ahead and dive into Shadow and Bone, the book. So this is book one out of three in Lee Bardugo's um, Grishaverse series. I'm Sydney. I'm Sam. And I'm Steph. And we're back again. We're and we're back literate. at it. <clears throat> we're literate. Let's get literal. Ooh. <laughs> Can you sing it to let's get physical? Ooh. Let's get literal. Literal. <laughs> Is that I right? I want to get literal. literal. Let's get into literature. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Very ready. Very ready. So today we're talking about book one of the Shadow and Bone trilogy. I am looking at the Henry Holton Company version. I'm not sure if there are others, um, but mine also has the Netflix original series. I this have the library copy. I... Oh, look at you. I know. It's so oh, hard. I like that. It's a hard cover. Yeah, I like that wow. cover. It's got some lovely um, sort of classic russian looking buildings on the front i like it yeah it looks yeah. nice yeah i like a hardcover too yeah it's like it's the libraries it's libraries yeah there you have it so, so steph you're gonna give us yes. a breakdown I'm, of the summary i'm diving in yeah so that breakdown of the summary People and then who i have, have some topic read recently will be able to follow along and then I have some topics. Um, I've written down a bunch of quotes. I can't um, wait for us to think about. I don't necessarily have perfect questions formed, but I have. Um, I'm just interested to hear what you two think about Fantastic. some specifics. So uh, this is book one, um, season one, Netflix original series. Um, follows this pretty closely um sydney i think you mentioned that in our first season of recordings but very very true um Mm -hmm. it follows the book very closely so we start off this book in third person which i found interesting um in an orphanage preface uh we get alina and mal um for a very brief couple of pages giving us some where they're from moments without too much um exposition aside from where they are how old they are, um, and the forming of their relationship. Then from there we go to uh, first person for the rest of the book. Um, We have first army and that initial going through the shadow fold on the skiff being attacked by Volcra, just like in the show. Um, Alina's uh, presentation of her powers while protecting Mal. Then we have the Darkling um, calling her power in the tents of the first army, also in the show. We move into the coach ride to Os Alta, um, where they are attacked. Alina, that is, is attacked by the Fjordan assassins. Mm. Then we have her actually, in the book, we have moments, uh, several days of her actually traveling with the Darkling, Mm -hmm. which doesn't show up in the TV show. We have Mm -hmm. some more interesting Darkling moments in the book. Mm -hmm. Then we show up at the Grand Palace first, then the Little Palace. And I'm going to kind of skirt over this. I just wanted to mention all the characters we get to interact with. Mm-hmm. In the little palace in the book, we have Genya. We have the Apparat. The Queen. We actually have her meeting the Queen. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the only political, socio-political moments we get with royalty. Then we have her meet Bagra. Botkin, um, who is the... Um, I was going to say the PE teacher. <laughs> <laughs> My head is still in high school, I guess. Anyway, back in the physical education um, teacher. Then we have her interact with Nadia and Marie, who are Ethereal-key. Um We have more interactions with them in the book than we do in the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're a little bit more complicated in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they might yeah. not be as supportive as they appear to be in the TV right. show. 
um, they're a little more complicated in the book. And then we have Zoya, who the TV show actually fleshes Zoya out more than the book does. Zoya is yeah. just mostly a pretty jealous face in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have some moments with her. Yeah. Then we move into the Winter Fate, um, which follows, uh, the TV show follows pretty tightly. Then we have Bagra's reveal um, and her helping Alina escape. Then we have Mal's interception of Alina's escape. He hunts her mm-hmm. down, tracks her down. Um, and they have the I see you now moment in the book as well, where Mal yeah. expresses his true feelings for Alina after realizing he was thinking about her every day since their um, departure, forced departure. And then finally, we have the Darkling captures Mal and Alina. We get some Mal in jail scenes and the skiff event, which mm ends very differently mm. yes. in the TV show. And yes. I want us to talk about that. That's um, on my list as well. Great. Yeah. So that is the plot summary of book one. Mm-hmm. So the first thing, <clears throat> I'm going to derail us immediately as I Ooh. do. Well, wait, hold on, Steph. So the only okay. thing, just as an addendum that I would add yes. to yeah. fully illustrate it for readers in case they're wondering is there are no crows in the book. Right. And yep, there's right. no Nina and Matthias. So yep. right. Like you said, it's like it's the entirety of basically Alina's story. Yep. But that's it. Great. Oh, oh I, I and to them. mention that too. Yeah, I miss them too. <laughs> they actually had a lot of this world's exposition. They add so much more to they make this world three D, the crows, that is. Yeah. Um yeah. in addition, Mal is in this book, but most of his story is told through a brief fireside conversation with Alina. Yep. And a letter, yeah. bonus materials letter at the very end it's of the book. It's all her point which is, of view, yeah. except for the, all Alina. the preface and the afterward, which are third person. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which also makes the Darkling's manipulations a little more believable for me because it's all from hmm. her perspective. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. And anyway, I that's can't wait, Steph. Where do you want to start? There's so- Yeah. Yeah. Great. Derail us first. I'm going to derail us immediately and say, I don't know why this phrase is always used in YA fiction. But it shows up three times, and I wrote down the pages. Three times! The phrase is... uh, First, on page 42. Readers, flip to 42. Yes, please flip to 42. I don't think I'm going to be able to... Well, well, if there there may be... Yeah, if you can guess... Oh, well, I'm not gonna make you read game. the whole page. No, okay, okay, game. yes. What a fun game. Why don't you try and I'm guess? I'm gonna make us guess what the. I'm yes. not sure my guess page what the numbers are the same though. So don't don't say anything yet until we're all on the same page. Wait, but I'm not sure my page numbers are the same because you both have the Henry. Okay, Holt. okay. So this is in chapter three. Okay. And I'll say. Okay. Can you give us um, a start at and the end top of the of, page? Yeah. Yeah, at the top of my 42 is leading a oh, it's the same. And bewildered group. It's the same. Wondrous. Wondrous. Okay, so okay. I'm it's on skip. page 42. Yes, okay. And then let me know when you think you know what it is, and we'll all say it at the same time. We can play based some on, background Based on music. this page alone? Yes. Okay. You don't, you're not going to give us the other pages. I have a guess, but... Okay. <laughs> There's so many good Sam options. Are... <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's actually the problem. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Oh, there's so many good ones. Okay, I have I have 3 I have 3 options. Okay, so we'll we'll start with Sam's 3. Or no, Sydney, do you have one? Uh, well, so... Yeah, no, let's hear Sydney's one. Because I, I don't feel strongly. Well, I, this is the top one. Okay. Okay. That I picked up. I think there are others, right? But I'm wondering if <laughs> it's the... I'm wondering if it's the, what did they think I had done? That was in my that was in my three as well. Good yep. guess, good guess. Sam, yep. what are your other two? My other two were... Um, I pressed a hand to my mouth to stifle a sob. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. And um, what's the third? I realized I had been holding my breath. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> those are all they all of those show up in YA all the time. But you didn't oh, guess oh, I had what another I was. One. Wait, sorry. Okay. 
Okay, it is. Dramatic reading. But it reading. was all I could do. That's the one. So Mal was alive. I wanted to push through the crowd and throw my arms around him, but it was all I could do to stay standing as really no! flooded through that me. No, that was my other. Damn it! It oh. drives me up the wall. I'll tell <laughs> you what. It also happens on page one thirty nine. Okay. Every time I see this phrase, it just pulls me out. One thirty nine near the bottom. It mm. was all I could do not to whimper. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, it happens again on two sixty six. Welcome to this wild ride, everybody. <laughs> you just found my button. <laughs> or I told you my button. In some spots, the trail was so narrow that all I could do, that I could do little mm. more. I just, I just can't. I can't do it with that phrase. It's especially prominent on one thirty nine. Mm. and 42 Mm -hmm. but it was all she could do (laughs) it's just every time it just rips me out (laughs) of the text it's like seeing quentin tarantino in his own movies i'm just like there he fucking is there he is (laughs) he can try and make himself have an australian accent but there he fucking is it just yoinks me out every time could do but it was all he could do anyway so steph so can you explain to us why it is i mean i have some guesses but can you explain to us why this triggers you so it's, it's the idea of it was all someone could do to not whimper. It's like, it's doing, um, it's an all-encompassing action, but it makes it sound so small at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's all the effort, but also none of the effort at the same time. The way that mm. it's phrased, it's all she could do. So it's like all the attention and energy is going into not whimpering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it still makes it sound like she's whimpering. Somehow. It's also a super easy way of expressing like yeah, difficulty. It's very reductive. <laughs> yeah, it's very reductive. It's very, I think it's very formulaic. Like, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, just plug and chug. Yeah, which yeah, think, is something that we, I think, as a <clears throat> well, this is maybe putting on a- apparat cap too early, but. Uh, I think as a contemporary readership, we dislike formulaic in a way that, mm-hmm. like, past audiences might not have objected to quite as much. Ancient True. audiences loved it. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly, just because of, yeah, so that's what I was thinking of. Like, the method of delivery yeah. is different, and mm-hmm. so it was a different component of the storytelling. Right. But I found myself, not necessarily that phrase, but other phrases being like, oh. Stifled a sob. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know. I think, I think Steph, you know, what, what I was thinking when you, so when you reveal that this was the sentence that bugs you. Yeah. It's very, it's very limiting, right? And yes. It's, and it takes, it, it gives, it gives the reader the impression, yeah, that this person is barely hanging on and so powerless, right? Right. Um, and, yeah, and it's it's very limiting. It makes them small, exactly. And she's happens... going through quite a lot, though. Like, well, it's interesting to kind of note the times that it happens, right? So it happens here, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> on page forty-two, um, when she's in the tent, when right that like she has had her you know accidental sun summoner display on the fold. She's been brought mm-hmm. back to the tent, and mm-hmm. she's um, like everybody's trying to figure out what in the world is going on, you know. So. She has no idea what's going on. Everyone is trying to interrogate those around her and figure out who she actually is. She's had this massive display of power that has actually led to people successfully leaving the fold when lots of people were getting eaten by Volcra. Mm-hmm. Um, including Alexi. Yep, Oops. including, I know, poor Alexi Rip. dies in the, Rip. well, yeah. dies in the fold. In As opposed version, to later. Gets shot. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Um, so... Yeah, so it, it you know she it's making her small at this kind of important moment, and then one thirty nine she's starting her physical training, which is very new to her, um, and it kind of again makes her small, and it's right before the darkling checks in with her about like how are you doing, and you know so she's she's worried about how she's doing. They have that conversation, and then at the end it's like she's run away. She's with Mal. Again, it kind of, it limits her, interestingly, it limits her physically, you know, mm-hmm. I guess two out of those three times. And and at a time when, like, she feels more confident in who she is, not fully confident, but more confident, she's decided to make this break 
with the Darkling and what he stands for. And then there's this, like, limiting factor placed on her again. Right. So I think yeah. it also, yeah, it's it's interesting that it's occurring at these kind of, trend. I mean, maybe transition mm. times, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It, it's definitely, it's doing both of those things. It's indicating that she is exhausted, traumatized, having trouble um, doing anything other than surviving, which makes right. sense. And it's also the formulaic response to that. Because right. you could have different ways of saying, on 139, it was all I could do not to whimper. You can rephrase that and make it more expressive. Um, but if we're in the mind of Alina, like you're mm-hmm. saying, Sydney, then it's her thoughts are also reduced to that kind right. of formulaic response if she's under duress and trauma. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, that was a both of you had beautiful responses to my how dare you say this again. <laughs> 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 but if we want to um, transition, um, Sydney talking about power that was mm. one of the topics that i really wanted to talk about today with this um literate version yeah. or literal mm. version mm-hmm. of the story the original that is mm-hmm. i have written down so many quotes where her power is talked about but i think mm. what might be most helpful for listeners um and ourselves is to kind of work through them chronologically because okay. i think there is a nice arc okay. in the book to her um thinking about her own powers and engaging with her own powers Hmm. So, and obviously jump in at any point. Um, So I think around 51 is when I started to actually write down quotes for her powers. And this is when um, the Darkling is calling her power Hmm. um, for the first time when he's trying to see um, if she is indeed the Sun Summoner, if all these rumors are true. Um, I also dog-eared this page. Right. So I am looking at 51, um, starting with pain and fear, Mm, near the middle of the page. Pain and fear rushed through me. I cried out. The thing inside me roared to the surface, speeding toward the Darkling's call. I couldn't stop myself. I answered. The world exploded into blazing white light. So this is one of the first moments of her being aware of what's happening within her when she's rescuing Mal, she just sees a blaze of white light and then she's out. Mm -hmm. But this is the first moment, at least that I've seen in the book so far where she feels the call that there's something inside her to answer that call and that she is powerless to stop answering, um, which is interesting to me. Um, So this is, I don't know, part of the Darkling's influence on her, too, throughout the rest of the book mm-hmm. and how he ends up capturing her power later on with the amplifier, um, that she has to answer the call. So um, that's the first moment. Um, and then moving forward from that, we have explanation of amplifiers on page 73 from, I believe, Ivan talks about it. Oh, no, sorry. This is actually when... Um, the Darkling uses his hand <laughs> to mm. touch the nape of her neck. Yes. Barehanded nape of neck. So obviously that's a, a sensitive. They took sensuous. that out. Yeah. Of the show. Yeah. That was not in the show. But when <laughs> she's they kept it in. on the horse with him. <laughs> Just, I need that imagery um, of Ben Barnes. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, just to interject immediately, (laughs) Tony Danza, Um, (laughs) Ben Barnes actually makes the Darkling seem more realistic to me. Oh, yeah. In In the book... I am not convinced that he is someone that we should fall in love with. The first time I read this, this is the second time I read this. The first time I read this, I I got to the, the point where they kiss for the first time. I was on a plane and I... (laughs) <laughs> I actually was like, what? Yeah. Like I, I knew I, it was coming. I wrote that in the book. Because I'd seen yeah. the show. I So I knew it was, but I was, I just like, I was surprised that it happened then because I was waiting for there to be chemistry and I, right. it never materialized yeah. for me. Sounds like, yep. yeah, for the you guys either. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Good. Okay. No. I mean, the, like the Darkling, ooh, the Darkling in the book is a shadow of the Darkling that's presented to us in the TV oh. series. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and then also the energy that Ben Barnes brings to the character mm-hmm. is, it's magnetic, right? The Darkling in this book is like, they've, I don't know, they've maybe spent like 20 minutes together. 
right. <laughs> you know, over the course of like a All year or something. Done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they 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 don't see each other very often. They they do have this connection, but I think I think maybe where where the book could have used development in that regard is that they have a connection, but it's more a connection that we're told about. We're told that they feel, but we're not shown how it is that this connection was built or how it's potentially sustained to a point where, you know, she, when they, when they kiss after the fate, she's, we hear her internal dialogue here. She's thinking about sleeping with him. Mm -hmm. Like there's a possibility that he's going to come to her room that night and she's going to sleep with him. It's, it's implied that she hasn't slept with anyone before, or at least I think it's implied that she hasn't slept with anyone before. So both in terms of being the first person that she's been with, you know, and then also being with him, it's that it would be this potentially sort of, you know, big decision for her. And yeah, I think we're, I think we're told about their connection, but we're not shown their connection. Whereas in the TV show, I think it's more fully fleshed out and so we can see how it is that these people have chemistry and would feel yeah. this kind of a connection. Definitely well, shown. The book tracks the their show. relationship in terms of what Steph is is giving us the arc yeah. of, which is her her coming to terms with her own power. I think that's how mm-hmm. the book wants to Right. Show the arc to frame of, it. of yeah, of their relationship. I so I, I do think we should carry through on with the the different moments where she becomes the arc of her with her own power um because i i Mm. for me that maps on to like how the book wants to develop their relationship Mm. and also for me when we get to the discussion part raises some interesting questions about the book's yoking of her power and her sexuality Mm. um which is what obviously i want to talk about so um I'm Steph. Would you take us through the kind of the other major sure. moments yeah, yeah. for her that you had? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, not all of them perfectly track with um, her in scenes with the Darkling, um, but I can absolutely see the arc. Um, I have, as I you have said, yoking. Yeah, I have. Sam's yes. like, oh, don't worry, I've got the arc. Excellent. <laughs> I'm ready. Excellent. Great. Um, so after the him touching the nape of her neck, amplifying her, she answers the call once again. Um, I have something else here written down for, I think the next most important part would be on 180 when she actually has that flashback. Mm, this is yes. her tied in with Mal. Yeah. Um, this is a big has, one for her. Or this is yeah. a big one for me. Yep. Yeah. Oh, great. Let's talk about it. So, um, oh, so I'm sorry. We don't have to pause on it now and go like, but this is, this is something that I find very interesting in yeah. how it's presented in the book versus how it's presented in the TV show. Wait, let's talk. Absolutely. Let's- yeah, yeah, let's tuck let's, in. Let's do it. 180. So, um, 180? 180. 180. Yes. Yeah. This is the italicized flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is prompted, I should preface this moment, it's prompted by Bagra saying, and if you leave now, she's giving up. Alina's tired of this. Nothing's working. Bagra says, if you leave now, who are you going to? And Alina says, no one. There's no one. And then this prompts her um, to feel dizzy and breathless, and then she flashes back to the moment where she... Um, is about to get tested with Mal, is tested with Mal in separate rooms, um, and her bodily and mental response to hearing Mal be tested is, I cannot be separated from him. I will not allow this. Um, So in the italicized, um, at the bottom, I'll just start with, I can't breathe. It's like I'm kicking up from the bottom of a lake about to break the surface, my lungs aching for air. The woman in red watches me closely, her eyes narrowed. This is a Grisha come to test. I hear Mal's voice through the library door. Alina, Alina, I know then. I know that we are different from one another. Terribly, irrevocably different. Alina, Alina! I make my choice. I grab hold of the thing inside me and push it back down. Mal! I shout and begin to struggle once more. The woman in red tries to keep hold of my wrist, but I wriggle and wail until finally she lets me go. So this is the moment where she feels that she is going to answer the call of this Grisha, um, her son's summoner power would be revealed, but she hears Mal's desperation. She realizes she doesn't want to be separated. She knows that she's different from him. And so it says she pushes the thing inside her back down, which I think it's interesting to classify her powers as the thing, a thing, right. because later Bagra, um, 
I want us to dwell on this moment, but I'll just say the next moment I want yeah. to get to in the arc. Mm. So we'll come, we'll be right on this in a second. Is that Bagra um, tells her that her power is not something separate from her. It's on 185, just a couple pages later. Yeah. And then we'll bop right back to this moment because mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. we want to talk about it. Um, Bagra yeah. says on 185... It isn't something separate from you, right? right? It isn't something separate from you, Bagra snapped. It isn't an animal that shies away from you or chooses whether or not to come when you call it, which is interesting. Do you ask your heart to beat or your lungs to breathe? Your power serves you because that is its purpose, because it cannot help but serve you. Yeah. Um, And I want us to come back to this moment, um, but I wanted to emphasize the thingness of her power Mm. and how it can be pushed down despite what she's being told by Bagra. Um, And that if it is indeed not separate from her, how is she allowed to push it down if it's not separate from her own self? How is she able to divide it? As someone who was raised Catholic, I understand repression quite well. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get back to that. Okay, so back so back to 180, this this flashback moment. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on it. So I think so I think one thing that so in the way that Sam, I think, right, is interested in talking about Alina's power and sexuality, I Right. Um I think one thing that is even more emphasized here in the book than it is in the TV show. Um, although I know I brought it up in some of our previous recordings because it is talked about in the TV show or it's gestured to, um, is is this connection between power and appearance mm. or, or really, mm. frankly, power and beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I think maybe, Steph, that might be an area where we can think about, like, how can she push this thing down if it's a part of her? And I think that... Um, one of the ways in which Lee Bardugo kind of addresses this is basically she pushes her power down and she effectively like without thinking of it does it every day and it takes a physical toll on her body right right so when when you know when we're finished with the flashback and she's thinking through this this sort of recollection it's mm-hmm. all, I mean it's almost frankly like trauma memory here and yeah. that she's block you know she's blocked it out and it kind of you know resurges for her at a significantly at a much later date Um, she says so I'd made my choice I'd pushed my power down I'd held it there each day with all my energy and will without even ever realizing it I'd used up every bit of myself to keep that secret I remember standing at the window with Mal watching the Grisha depart how tired I'd felt the next morning I'd woken to find dark circles beneath my eyes they'd been with me ever since so there's this right there's this connect like there's this connection between the fact that she chooses to deny herself to deny a core part of her very being being as she can't just like kind of get away with it for like lack of a better phrase there's a cost right mm-hmm. to the denial mm-hmm. of herself and that is the just her physical being an aspect which is reflected both in her strength or lack thereof and then also in her physical appearance right so at the beginning of the book she talks about how like her nickname is sticks you know, and mm-hmm. like Mal has kind of like grown into himself and, you know, become the handsome boy who's represented by Archie Renault on screen. Mm. Whereas she says, like, I just got taller. Like, and, <laughs> you know, and and the Darkling actually describes her. I was just looking at this when we were um, looking at like the tent scene. The, the Darkling says something like, you know, like, you don't, you know, you're not quite the mouse you appear to be or something like that, right? She's described as yeah. like mousy. I think she um, describes herself as mousy. Yeah, yeah. She point. describes herself. Others describe herself her as mousy. Um, so I think there's... So one of the reasons this kind of sticks with me and is maybe maybe my equivalent of like power and sexuality for Sam is that on the one hand, I think there's something really interesting that's being done here with the idea that if you are choosing whether you feel forced to choose or whether it's a conscious choice or not choosing to deny a fundamental part of your being you you suffer because of that repression has consequences folks right repression has consequences (laughs) and (laughs) the mantra of the day yep and you 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 suffer because of that and you know it takes it takes a physical toll as well as an emotional and a mental toll on you 
Where I think I kind of get stuck and then get angry is that there is still running throughout the book this idea that we value women based on their appearance, right? And I mean, this and this is mainstream, right? It's just something that in the last like year or two, I've just really want to set fire to, which is <laughs> that, um, and it's it's not challenged in this book at all either. No, exactly. It's that's and that's the thing that I think disappoints me, and you know, is mm-hmm. a, an area for growth is that. The book upholds the idea that a woman's value is based on her appearance and beauty, right? Like, mm. we don't we don't really think to like feel bad for you know men who are ugly, right? But like, we are we are cultured to feel bad for women who are plain, right? Yes, you know, or to think that they are, you know, yeah, they they think less of themselves. Others think less of them because they are plain, and so I, that's that's the part where I. I really love this idea, right? That like, yeah, if you are trying to deny, you know, part of who you are, it's going to make you unhappy. And, you know, there are going to be consequences because of that. And here's how we see some of these consequences play out. Um, I think the sort of the other edge of the sword is that, you know, we uphold this idea that um, a woman is like better, more fully herself, whatever, when she's beautiful. Right. Right. And we, we see that in obviously Hollywood. I mean, that's an entire industry based on superficial appearances, but it happens in all the the fun, you know, rom-com stories of, oh, she took off her glasses and right. this is the fulcrum point and suddenly yeah. everything's going to change. And She took her glasses yeah. off, took her hair down from her bun and like all of exactly. a sudden she's beautiful. <laughs> oh, the, the weird quirky artist is now, you know, getting the attentions of the Scooby-Doo guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just Freddie started, Prince Jr. I just started there conversations <laughs> with friends, which is exactly that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the new Hulu show. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I agree with you. I think if we, like, the number of times that Jenya is described, or Zoya, yeah. is described as being beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like almost every every time yeah. the novel brings her, Jenya, up, it, it describes how beautiful she is. I do think that the... The Grisha men are also described as being physically attractive. Particularly, like yeah. I- Ivan is attractive. Ivan is mm-hmm. handsome. He's mm-hmm. handsome. Um, obviously, the Darkling is handsome. Um, I think it's just, equal opportunity. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I'm with you in that. Uh, I think that the book treats well Alina as a character, and I think the book also treats her value in relation to the way that she looks in ways that are particularly squicky. Yeah. Um, in ways that, like, Ivan isn't treated. And I know that she's the main character, so we get more of her and her thoughts. Um, uh, and I, this, this sort of relates to my thoughts on, like, why the men folk in this book are always trying to make her feel bad for having sex. Or, like, th- <laughs> thinking about having sex. Like, she doesn't even have any sex and they're making her feel bad. Like, good God. She's, there's no yep, sex she, in this book. There's no the sex. The Darkling says, and like, did she tell you how she's going to give it to me, Mal? And I was just I like, oh, God. You know, and, like, great. He's a villain. Go to bed. He's a villain. He's saying villainous right. things. Okay, he's a villain. Yeah, but that but riles like, Mal up. It ri- that's the problem. It works. And, like, yeah. Mal says at one point, like, after he's, I think it's the first time they're reunited, like, Yes. I didn't like that you were with him. Something like that. And I'm just sitting here like, you haven't had a conversation with her? Have you talked about the fact that you're in a relationship? No. Like, good God. Like, the girl can, like, hardly have any fun before she immediately feels ashamed already. Like, yeah. yes. Get, get out of here. And I think, I don't remember how it's treated. I'm going to have to look at the quotes. But Mal, at some point, or Alina thinks, you've been tumbling all the women and yeah. trying to attract Grisha women he this says whole it. time. Yeah, he says yeah, it. He it's says it. Up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just so, let the poor girl have a sex thing. drive. Good God. Yeah. I can't stand <laughs> it. Stop trying to make her feel bad. Also, she's like literally just like making out with people. I know. Alina. That's as far yep. as it goes. There's some, there's yep. some neck kissing. How like, dare she? Whoop. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Let the poor well, thing just get her groove on. Good boy. I know, I know. I guess also, so also still on this flashback yeah. is, yeah, what, so what I was, what I was thinking about when we were recording about 
when we're recording just on the TV show is what what we we as a group, what you all would think about the fact, right? That she knows, she actually knows that she, yeah, has some kind of power. She doesn't know she has the sun summoner, but she knows she has something. And so she actively chooses to deny that in order to stay with Mal. We can, mm-hmm. um, you know, also, I suppose I have conflicting feelings about like, on the one hand, that makes her commitment to Mal all the more impressive. On the other hand, I don't like that she has to deny who she is in order to feel like she fits with him or stays with him. So I think, I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense to you all, but the TV Some show. cost fallacy, my friend. <laughs> yep. The TV show makes a big deal, right? Out of that whole, I didn't know. There's yep. that scene, right? When she's been t- mm-hmm. being taken away in the chariot when she's it's shouting to Mal. the last thing that he, yeah, that she says to him. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't yeah. know. And so what, like, what, what difference does that, you know, what do we think of that? And I guess what difference does that make? Ugh. It, it makes me upset. Of course. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> I just. Well, okay, there, there's another side to it, which is this flashback, like you said, was completely repressed. It was like something she pushed down so deep. Yeah. She doesn't understand. Throughout the book, there are moments where she says, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why right. can't I do this? Where has this been? Why can't I call it? So on the one hand, it could be that she knew the whole time perfectly that I got this power um, and I need to repress it for Mal. But on the other hand, the way that it's presented, I think there's a case to be made that she doesn't actually remember in some sense that she has access to it. Mm. Um, because in those moments, she's saying, I don't know why I can't touch it. Yeah. Um, and she's surprised by feeling that power when she first saves Mal. Sexual she has no repression. idea what that was. <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby. Be here in the background. <laughs> anyway, sex. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> You're right. You're right, though. It is I, absolutely It's obviously it. not all about that. Um, but there, it's, but, there's a but significant time. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that the show has, and I didn't, wasn't thinking about this until I read the book for our, our recording today, but I think the series has made choices. We've mentioned yeah. the end of this of this season and the oh, end baby. of the book and I know we'll talk about that but I think oh, that yeah. that falls under this umbrella which mm-hmm. is that the series has made the decision to make her l- blameless right and yes. I, and I mean blameless yeah. in a not like Badalina but if you make her truly unknowing of her own right. abilities, then she can say with sincerity to Mal, I didn't know. I didn't, yep. I wasn't keeping this from you because the foundation of our relationship is this openness and right. trust that we have with each other. Mm-hmm. But if she does know and she makes the choice, if even if, I don't think she understands the full extent, like we've said, of no. what, what this means, but she knows that something is there and it, it probably, she probably can figure it out, like makes her different than Mal. Um, if she's, been choosing to keep something from her it from him it makes her not quite as unambiguously blameless or yeah. good mm-hmm. um, which as yeah. a as a critic or a, a reader a consumer of things i i like i want a complicated yes i want a complicated Absolutely. character i like i would rather her make him human yeah i would rather her have made this decision even if she doesn't fully understand what it is she's making a decision about i'd rather have her struggle with with the complexities of the situation, personally. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I absolutely agree. I also, I still want to keep making the case for that she doesn't quite know what's going mm-hmm. on. Because on 181, right after the flashback, after the last italics, um, it says, I leaned against the door to Bagra's hut, trembling. The woman in red had been an amplifier. Mm. That was why the Darkling's call had felt familiar, but somehow I'd managed to resist her. Yeah. So it wasn't even at that moment that she knew she could summon that power. She just knew that she was different. She was amplified. She answered a call. Right. And then because she repressed that thingness of her power for so many years and yeah. never experienced another amplifier, it would make sense to me in the books how she would think that, yes, she knew she was different in that moment, but then she repressed that yeah. and then was unable to call her power again because she pushed it down yeah yeah so but i agree though that the books there's that like there's the line of ambiguity of does she actually remember that she experienced that this whole time right 
And it's this moment where it comes back. Right. Um, but in the show, they absolutely make it that she had no idea, and which is Im- totally different. It's important for fleshing out her relationship with the Darkling to have that right. kind of yeah. complexity there because the book 100% represents her as being... Not, she feels ambivalent about her attraction to her own power, which is likened yeah. to the Darkling's power. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, and, and she feels she feels conflicted. She doesn't want to um, embrace the power in the way that she sort of wants to because it, it likens her to him. But she still feels like this attraction of the the sort of furthest stretches of her power, which would be pretty disastrous if mm. if unleashed. Um, and I. Yeah, and I, that didn't come through in the series to me yeah, at all. Yeah. I, I know Sydney and I sort of like have had truncated versions of this conversation. Um, and so I'm looking forward to kind of getting the full version with you guys. The, so sorry, Sam, you're saying that I was just, I was caught up by mm. a note I had made in the text. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the book represents her as having this like complicated relationship to like attraction to her own power and then also yeah. kind mm-hmm. of shying away from it. Both attraction mm-hmm. to him, the darkling, and yes. the, and yeah. the and the allure of or the seductiveness of her own yeah. power, which is yeah. in her mind I think both related to him and like likened to him. Yeah. Um, which makes it definitely a problem yeah, for yeah. her. Um, yeah. But just based on like her sheer ability and what she could do, which would be either disastrous um, or is sal- can salvation be a an adjective? Saluted salvatory. Salvatory. <laughs> Saluted. I don't know that that's why I don't think it's a word. <laughs> anyways, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I really uh, sanitize is a pretty. It's a strong word, but I yeah. I do feel like the series has sanitized her a bit of these yes. conflicting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really interesting impulses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All of the sort of like emotional self cudgeling of these feelings aside that she does in the book. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think so. The yeah, to, sort of further on that point. So after she, so kind of continuing with this scene. She has the flashback. She realizes, like, oh, my gosh, I'm tired, and I've been ugly ever since. We can say that what we will. I mean, welcome to your 30s. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> declining I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so, and then, and then she is thinking about, like, you know, well, like, what about now? Mal, she thinks Mal has left her behind because this mm-hmm. is, the, and this is the same that she's been writing the letters to Mal and he has been writing letters to her, but they're being intercepted or rather hers aren't being sent and she's not being allowed to read his. Yeah. Um, and so she's saying like, uh, Bagra's right. Like, I just want to go home to Mal, but like, I have to let this go. He's not coming for me. So she thinks, um, and she says that she's filled with grief at this thought. This is on 182. And then she actually, she cries and apologizes to herself apologizes to this power to this part of her right then she said i called and the light answered i felt it rushing toward me from every direction skimming over the lake skittering over the golden domes of the little palace under the door and through the walls of bagra's cottage i felt it everywhere and then she says it surrounded me blazing with heat more powerful and more pure than ever before because it was all mine i wanted to laugh to sing to shout at last Mm. there was something that belonged wholly and completely to me and then I love yeah. Bagra says, good. <laughs> now we work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Just down to brass tacks. Yeah. So one one thing that I do like what I do, one thing I do really appreciate about the book, and I and I think that this is why we can have such interesting conversations about not only these books and the but then the TV series and then the two of them together, is that there are changes that the series, the TV series makes that I think are really interesting. And then there are things that are left out in the show that are present in the books that I think are a lot more interesting, like Mm. what we've been talking about now. And I think the book does a better sense of representing to us sooner how empowering it is for her to actually claim this power, to be able to exercise it, to have it, Mm -hmm. and to feel it. And the fact that she has to apologize to herself 
for shortchanging her own experience and her abilities because she, you know, and that she felt she had to do that in order to stay with this person. Now, there was a reality there, right? Like, she would have been taken away if she had been revealed to be the Sun Summoner when a child. Um, but yeah, I think I think exactly like Sam was saying, the book does a much better job of kind of introducing this to us sooner and then also more frequently. So we see, we see just how wonderful it is for her to actually have access to this and to be able to exercise it and i love it i'm here for it yeah yeah Yeah. that the self-forgiveness aspect of it is actually quite lovely yeah yeah i I do like the having to apologize to yourself for you know harming yourself for so many years thinking you're protecting yourself and then realizing you're doing the opposite um i think we might all be able to relate to that in some capacity um yeah, I, I do like that a lot, saying you're sorry, and then suddenly the power and confidence floods in. Yeah. Um, like your own amplifier. Yeah. Um, getting that surety and Boom. calmness that comes That's with. a trigger word mm. for sure. Surety. That's something I yeah. was tracking. I was tracking certainty mm. and surety. Yeah. Yes. As it power relates to... Power as surety to, and certainty. Yep. Her yeah. power, her relationship to the Darkling, her own confidence. That word comes up a lot. Yeah. Yep. Both yeah. of those words come up a lot. Certainty more so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. And I think, I wonder if we can connect the forgiveness, because this is like kind of her epiphany moment, right? And that now mm-hmm. she's finally actually able to uh, consistently and consistently call her power and then also call it, you know, to a, a great degree, whereas like yep. previously it's been, you know, more like little things, unless yep. the Darkling has been caressing the nape of her neck um (laughs) um, if we if we replace that with palming it's less sensual yeah (laughs) he palms her neck well i I, see you i see you i don't know if i want i don't know if i want to reduce the sensual nature because then like sam has said right there is this you know this sort of um intertwining of you know sex and power and attraction and da 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 um that's happening throughout and i don't mind thinking about ben barnes and you know, things like that. Anyway, I'm not here to repress. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I didn't feel repressed. I didn't feel repressed. Um, I'm just letting my freak flag fly. Um, But I wonder if we can, I wonder if we can kind of think about and connect what's happening here. Her epiphany is essentially um, pre, is introduced. I don't know where my, my brain was thinking of a word and it it went bye-bye. Forgiveness. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so it's it's her forgiveness, right? That inter- her forgiveness of herself that introduces her epiphany, and right. what is it that allows her to claim the stag's power, and then uh, <gasps> sort of the mercy. realization of which, right? She says it enables mercy. her to claim her power again. Yes, fully, fully I... on the fold. Go, Steph. Go. Excellent. This is the last point of the arc that okay. I wanted to get to. That's perfect. We are so... professionals. Woo-hoo! We we we, sh- we are professionals. We did so, not um, coordinate this in advance. This is just the mind build. <laughs> <laughs> the hive mind. Um, so on 344, I have this written down. Um, oh, yeah. We have the, um, Sam, you just called it Mercy. Um, this is when she is fighting against, after um, the Darkling has infused the stag's um, antlers into her collarbone. He's using her powers against her will. He calls to the powers. She has to answer. There's no way around it at this point. Um, uh, but she has a moment. She has her epiphany of perhaps mercy. I've yeah. written down that this is power connected with morality as well. So power is just being stuck with yeah. a lot of... Um, it's being pushed into a lot of dualities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought the stag was haunting me. Oh, sorry. I'll go a sentence before. Um, I smelled the pines... I should go back further, actually. Sorry. Uh, 343, let's go. I'll just read this whole passage. I gripped the railing and cried out in rage and misery, the tears streaming down my cheeks. Mal was standing at the edge of the gleaming circle now. I could see the shapes of the Volcra and the swirling dark, feeling the beat of their wings. How could, or he could have run, he could have wept, could have clung to the sides of the skiff until the darkness took him, but he did none of those things. He stood, unflinching, before the gathering dark. 
Only I had the power to save him, and I was powerless to save him. And the next breath, the darkness swallowed him. I heard him scream. The memory of the stag reared up before me, so vivid that for a moment the snowy glade swam in my vision. The image of it transposed over the barren landscape of the fold. I smelled the pines, felt the chill air on my cheeks. I remembered the stag's dark liquid eyes, the plume of his breath in the cold night, the moment when I knew that I would not take his life. And finally, I understood why the stag had come to me every night in my dreams. I'd thought the stag was haunting me, a reminder of my failure and the price my weakness would exact, but I was wrong. The stag had been showing me my strength, not just the price of mercy, but the power it bestowed, and mercy was something like something the darkling would never understand. I had spared the stag's life. The power of that life belonged to me as surely as it belonged to the man who had taken it. I gasped as understanding flooded through me, and I felt that invisible grip falter. My power slid back into my hands. Once more, I stood in Bagra's hut, calling the light for the first time, feeling it rush toward me, taking possession of what was rightfully mine. This was what I had been born for. I would never let anyone separate me from it again. So I'm sorry, that was that was a much longer passage from the than I intended. But I thought all those parts were important. She feels powerless at the beginning of that passage, then she has the flashbacks to sparing the stag's life and then realizes that in the sparing of the life, she also had equal claim over her powers, which I want to challenge and understand better because mm-hmm. it doesn't quite click yeah. for me mm-hmm. that in order for her to feel that sense of mercy, the stag would have to be killed no matter what. So in sparing a life, she still has equal claim. It's a kind of al- sure. alchemical transition yeah. there yeah me thinks yeah <laughs> but whatever the, the morality is confusing to me there so i think it, the morality is clear but the the yeah. physics of how the power actually the, i know that's that's where i'm always at right. like what it's just like <laughs> if ivan had spared the bear by approaching and going never mind he would also have the amplifier yeah. but then the bone wouldn't be in him so the science doesn't track right so right no, confusion I'm, ensues okay, yeah i'm with you but um yes we're here at this moment Sydney. Yeah. So I think, so yeah, there, I, this also, I have like notes and stuff on this and I have, yeah, in the, in the, um, the sort of column on the side, why can I not think of words today? Uh, true. I have, you know, true ownership in this case is born of, is born of mercy. And so I mm. think what it is, is that like, I think, well, and I, I'm kind of blending what I think is happening in the TV series and what's happening in the book here to, come to my understanding of it which i think is that basically the stag gives his power to alina because of that connection that have that they have that moment of mercy her realization that she is not going to kill him the darkling kills the stag and so yes he has you know some claim to it a claim to it but the stag gave the power to Alina. It's a kind of late motif that happens throughout the book. A lot of Mal's talk is like, you saved my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I have a note here somewhere. I want to, I'll have to read it. Um, But there's, yeah, like Mikhail and Dubrov. Yeah. Mal feels badly because they volunteered to help him. And so somehow he is, he's responsible for their deaths, he feels. So there's sort of like the giving of, the giving of a life or the giving of actions um, to help another person. There's some kind of responsibility in opposition to the kind of ownership that the Darkling demonstrates kind of going on throughout. Let me see if I can find this passage. Um, All my notes are on my phone. All right, so on page 293. Mm. I gotta write things down that I still want to mention. Um... So, and I, this is a question that I have for you guys. So, um, this is, Mal and Alina are tracking the stag. The Darkling and crew mm-hmm. have not showed up yet. And Mal is telling her about, I think, what happens in episode three of the series, where they're tracking the stag, and uh, Mike, Kyle, and Dubrov are killed by Fyrdens. And he says, um... It was all for nothing. The herd crossed back in Dravka. When the weather turned, we could have just waited for the stag to come to us. And then this is from Alina's, Alina's thinking this. 
I looked at Mal at his distant eyes and the hard set of his scarred jaw. He looked nothing like the boy I'd known. Mm. He'd been trying to help me when he went after the stag. That meant that I was partially responsible for the change in him, and it broke my heart to think of it. Okay. That meant that I was partially responsible for the change in him, because he had made this decision to try to help her out. I'm just curious mm -hmm. about what you guys think about this as an idea. Maybe right. as it relates to what's happening in the book and the kind of um, the ethics that the book is establishing, because I think that this... Mm. this is what you're talking about this like the stag is giving of itself um mal is giving of himself to help alina but now alina feels partially responsible like what do you think that that's right i uh, this is I when i really wish passage. we had my therapist here <laughs> <laughs> well i think she actually kind of answers this a little bit just um a little further down mm-hmm or on the next yeah, page. Yeah, she and she and, Mal, and she says they debate about it and she's saying it's it was given basically like it was given freely like right there's no debt yeah. here. Yeah. She she says if it's not my fault yeah. it's not yours either. Mikhail and Dubrov made their own choices yeah. too. But I don't he think he wanted that, to be a good friend to you. I don't think that that necessarily accounts for the emotional aftermath of like oh it, definitely it could not. be yeah. A, like yeah no this was something that i did because i wanted to but that doesn't mean that like the person receiving won't feel this kind of emotional right yeah. right, right it's like an emotional train of pain yeah so when mal says um it's not your fault Alina. i made my pain. own choices yeah i know yeah. i love that emotional <laughs> train of pain i mean choo choo motherfucker is all aboard <laughs> we're all in the fucking emotional train pain yeah. Pain of train. Train of pain. But he says, <laughs> I made my own choices, but those choices got my friends killed. And then mm -hmm. she answers with another link in the chain saying, but they decided to come with you. Mm -hmm. So we're all just, you know, giving right. each other right. pain, baby. Right. For acts right. of love. Right. Which re I think <laughs> relates to as well to Alina's decision to deny parts of herself. Like it's something that she, ah. she chose to do. And yeah. she has forgiven herself for doing this, for making her a choice, but there is still that kind of emotional uh, train of Definitely. pain that follows. Yeah. It's got a long caboose. There's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yep, absolutely. Big old caboose. A big old caboose. Yeah. I, no, that's a great um, observation, though. We have so many choices being made that hurt others throughout mm -hmm. this entire book and live. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but especially if we think about the final um, scene of this book yep. and what she does, it's different from the show. So after where Steph was reading, um, right? So she takes possession of her power, takes possession of the stag's power, realizing that it belongs to her because of her mercy. Light explodes from her. And then, uh, <laughs> uh the, the book reads, the Darkling looked momentarily confused. <laughs> he, narrowed <laughs> his eyes. he narrowed his eyes, and I felt his will descend on me again. Felt that invisible hand grasping. I shrugged it off. It was nothing. He was nothing. And I love that because, like, this sort of true and final and sure ownership does not admit of any doubts and does not admit of his interference, right? And I think one of the ways in which... Um, well, I think this relates to things we talked about in, you know, the TV series and uh, things that we're talking about here is, you know, we see the Darkling like making a lot of choices for Alina, right? And that's, you know, part of his manipulation. And here, um, you know, she, she does not admit of his interference anymore, essentially. Um, and so, ah, okay, two things. So I want to talk about the collar. I will, that's mm. a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, for me. But then I also want to talk about, I was just looking at this. Um, she says, I felt the weight of the collar around my neck, the steady rhythm of the stag's ancient heartbeat, heart beating in time with mine. My power rose up in me, solid and without hesitation, a sword in my hand. And that, um, I think, connects, well, I connect that back to the conversation that is in the book and in the TV series when the Darkling and Alina are recollecting his use of the cut to kill that Fearden soldier who was, yeah. you know, attacking, quasi-raping, whatever, Alina. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
and and how she's uncomfortable with that. And he says, well, would you have preferred if I use a sword? And in both the book and the TV right. show, she's like, maybe. Um, and I, I like that we have this. I think this is maybe another one of the ways in which the book is more clearly demonstrating, and I like this, more clearly demonstrating some of the points of contact between the Darkling and his use of power and Alina and her use of power. And she now feels what it's like to have power that's a sword in hand. And she's not not uncomfortable with it. She feels sort of like her fully embodied self um, being, able, being able to use it. Um, yeah, so I, I suppose I sort of leave that for us in... I expect that as we continue to talk about how the ending of the book is different, might relate in terms of thinking about ways in which the book draws the two of them closer together. Yeah, I think she, I think you're right. I think she is able to wield that power with certainty or surety, to use the, the book's favorite words. Yes. But she is not, <laughs> she is still ambivalent about the act of wielding that power. Like her abilities are sure. Mm. But she spends a lot of time thinking and then afterwards feeling badly about the fact that she leaves the people on that skiff to die. Right, right. Which is the result of her sort of wielding her power. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, it's just, an important, I feel like it's an important distinction. Yeah. It's it very much so. Yeah, just to be even more clear, at the end of the book, yeah. Alina snaps the mast of the skiff in half with a light cut. Yeah. And then after a speech that she gives of, join me, do you really want the Darkling to remake this world in his image? Please yep. help me. Yep. And they don't respond because as she observes, they're terrified. Right. Yeah. So her response is to get off the skiff and then destroy it and let them all die to Volcra. Yeah. Yep. And she's conflicted about it. Yep. And the Darkling also says, you can't leave us all here to die, Alina. If mm-hmm. you take this step, you know where it will lead. Right. Mm-hmm. So... That final, this final scene, I love this in the book. Oh my god, I'm I love it! So glad this show that it's so complicated in the book. Here's the thing: the, what the show gets is it gets the, it, and what is missing in the book is a showdown. It's a good fight between, scene. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's the fight scene. It's the fucking yeah, fight, yes. the fight scene. Like we get a great <laughs> fight scene. It. We get we get a great fight scene between the dark like and good Mal. Fight scene. I like yes. a good fight I like scene. I like a good fight scene, and I love. Scene. And I love that fight scene, right? And yeah. we have that like confusing moment in the fight scene when it seems like the Darkling tries to use the cut on Mal and it doesn't come. Yeah. Um, and so there, I still don't really even fully understand what's happening there. And and right, we get the you know the great like line from Mal. You know, I don't have yeah. to kill you. I'm going to let your past do it for you. Um, yeah. You know, right? That's a good back. line. It's, it's a, such good a good line. Good job, but, writers. Yeah. Yeah, but what we miss is we miss her use of the cut. And yeah. her, yeah, her choices, yeah. you know, I to tap that, into that I power. I want that ethical ambiguity. It's why yes. I yes. like the first season of The Witcher. Give me, <laughs> yes. give me fight scenes. Give me moral quandaries. Like, this yeah. is all That's, I want. And, like, strong female That fills characters. me up. That fills me yeah. up. I'm happy. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. agree. 100%. Absolutely. And I, this is terrifying. Yeah. She's completely made the choice. Yep. to murder yeah. several people at once. And yep. she's absolutely a murderer. Right. But it's, you can't, hard-pressed, you can't say whether or not that was the right choice or the wrong choice. Because yep. she does need to escape to continue to exist as a being. Yeah. But was this the only way to do it? Right. I also love, I just, like, love, this is a, this is a moment where it's like, okay, come on. Like, we could have we come up with some, something a little momentous, more momentous. <laughs> we um, could have had this. We could have had this. Um. You know, when she first uses the cut, you know, uh, it goes, I lifted my arm and slashed. With an ear-splitting crack, one of the skiff's masts split in two. People bleated in panic and scattered as the broken mast fell to the deck, the thick wood gleaming with burning light. Shock registered on the Darkling's face. And then, the cut! Ivan gasped, taking a step backward. (laughs) Don't forget, readers, this is a cut. Sorry, I just, I gotta laugh, I gotta laugh at that. Um, yeah, but, you know, so, and she can hear the, the sounds of slaughter, right, as she mm. and Mal are running right. away. She's yeah. using her light to protect only them. Um, and, yeah, he's, 
the Darkling is kind of haunting her with his voice. You know, you can't run from me. If you take the step, you know where it'll leave. lead. Yeah. You begged me for clemency once, he called over the dead reaches of the fold, over the hungry shrieks of the horrors he had made. Is this your idea of mercy? Yeah. She said, yes, I thought as the power rose up inside me, the mercy you taught me. I raised my hand and brought it down in a blazing arc, slashing through the air. And yeah, she splits the entire ship in two. Yep. Um, yeah. Just in twain. We we miss that in the in the TV series, and I I actually think that we miss out on a significant opportunity to think through what that means for her as an individual, and then also not to get of our help ahead of ourselves, but to gesture to book two. There is going to be a continuation of this theme of the ties that bind Alina and the Darkling. And this is where we see it, right? Like we're, because she has been, as Sam sort of brought up, like sanitized or made more blameless in the TV series, we, they may still decide to do it to kind the of, TV you know. The TV series has turned her into Sancta Alina. Like, yeah. And she's mm. going to struggle with that in both of the yeah. next two books. Yeah. And what it means to be beatified, to always make, have to make the right decision because if you right. don't, the world is at stake. The world's right. watching. Yeah. Too. Yeah. 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 All the YAs is a podcast recorded and produced by Steph, Sydney, and Sam. But we couldn't do what we do without our many collaborators, including Stella Bowman, Pam Locke, Olivia Milroy Evans, and Cecilia Christman. Our theme music was composed by Nate Kuhn. Our cover photo captured by Sean Malik, and our logo designed by Lara Musser. And many thanks to you, our listeners. Contact us at alltheyas at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We love getting your questions, comments, suggestions, and any shit about YA that you think is funny. Thanks for listening.